everyone. I'm Maria Sansone. Welcome to another edition of Mom to Mom. Today, we are exploring sibling conflict. Everybody does it, right? Fighting with siblings. Seems like a rite of passage. No permanent damage done. Or is there? Let me ask you this. Do you have kids that are constantly arguing with each other? When is normal fighting among siblings actually not normal at all. And as parents, are there things that we can do to help make sure that our kids have healthy relationships with one another? Well, my guest today answers all of those questions. Dr. Lori Kramer is a clinical psychologist and professor at Northeastern University and founder of the More Fun with Sisters and Brothers program. She is full of great science-based research and information to help parents raise strong, kind, and independent kids. Here's my conversation with Dr. Dr. Lori Kramer. Lori, how are you? Welcome to Mom to Mom. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Maria. This is great. Well, I think this is an interesting topic, right? Siblings. It's a big one because we either are one, we have one, we know one. So why is this such an important topic and something that should be top of mind for families right now? I think so. Our siblings are with us for life. We need them, they need us, and we can really get the most from these relationships if we really think about them, if we do have them top of mind and nurture them. And it makes sense to to start working on these relationships early in life. So you focus so much on sibling conflict. And I thought sibling conflict, fighting with your brothers and sisters is a rite of passage. Fighting with your brothers and sisters is seemingly very normal. So when is it not? Well, you know, it does seem to be something that siblings do quite a lot. It is very frequent. We're professional. Um, Yeah, they're really good at it. Uh, But the problem occurs when those conflicts get aggressive or hurtful. Um, we really just cannot have students, uh, students, children really um, hurt one another in any way, shape or form, physically or emotionally. And that's the kind of conflicts that I think parents really need to be sensitive to and work diligently to try to cut that off as, as soon as they see the first signs. Yeah. And these sibling relationships, according to your research, starts at a really young age. We're talking when they're babies and toddlers. So... Let's talk a little bit about all the research that you've done because you've spent a lot of time on this. What are some of the trends that you do see in this area? You know, if I really had to sum up this body of work that I've been working on for a very long time, I would say the most important takeaway is that there's hope that even when you see a sibling relationship that really seems to be in trouble, kids don't really seem to to like each other or there's a lot of conflict and negativity, if we work at it, we can help kids make those relationships a whole lot more positive, at least respectful. So what are some of those signs for the little kids that maybe Mm -hmm. we do need to step in, that maybe we do need to explore this a little deeper and it's not just normal conflict? Right. I think for very young children, we can see things like um, hitting, throwing things, doing things that kind of put that another sibling at risk. I kind of call them near misses. You know, I've seen kids throw something that lands like, you know, two inches from a baby sibling, an infant. Um, and we we just cannot, cannot have those sorts of things. So I think it's really important for parents to recognize when those things are happening, to not just accept this as this is what siblings do 
do, but see it as something to work on. And I think there's some very simple, straightforward things that parents can try to do to interrupt the flow of that conflict okay. to get kids to do something different at that moment. I like when there's something that we can do. So let's yes. talk about some of the things that parents can do to kind of remedy the conflict within the sibling family. Yeah, I think the first step in all of our work, especially with younger kids, is to teach kids this very simple set of steps. Stop, think, and talk. Sounds really simple, right? But they're really, really powerful. So if, if you as a parent can get your kids to just stop what they're doing when they start, you know, behaving really inappropriately towards one another, and then get them to think about what's happening, what do they want happen to happen at that moment, and then to talk to one another about what it is that they need, what's upsetting them, whatever. I mean, there's more ways to embellish this as kids get older, but if you can just simply help kids to stop, to think about what their goals are at that moment, and to start talking to each other, that can be a very powerful technique. The goal is, I wanted that toy and you took it. <laughs> And I want it back. <laughs> That's where we're at in my family right now. Right. Um, sometimes there's not a lot of thought behind it, but what we do in our house, and I think it works really well, and I think it's kind of what you're talking about there is the check-in. If mm -hmm. you know my daughter accidentally hurts my son, she's kind of upset about it, doesn't want to apologize, I let her take a break. And then I say, all right, let's go check in with Benny, see how he's doing. Yes. She kind of goes over, tail between her legs. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a great way to just follow through with this basic idea. You've got to stop the impulsive behavior. You got to help kids be a little bit more reflective about what's going on, what's driving this conflict. And if they can express their needs to a sibling, and it's even more powerful if they can give a reason for why they need that crayon at that moment, why they have to have that toy, the other child will, will get it. They'll understand. And that's the beginnings of learning perspective taking understanding a no. situation from someone else's point of view. Yeah. And that's so important. I think so much of what's going on at home right now can really help set these kids up. This is the first relationship of their lives. And as they go out into the world, this is really going to help them. So some of this conflict is probably a good thing, I would think. Yes. Yes. We, you know, as long as we're not seeing that hurtful and aggressive conflict, as long as we can help kids make these fights more constructive, meaning that, you know, they're, they're working through things or maybe they're coming to a resolution or maybe they're not. Kids learn so much from fighting with their siblings that it's actually, you know, almost a developmental achievement to be able to do this, to fight constructively um, with the sibling. They're learning what's important to them. They're learning how to defend a point of view. They're figuring out, you know, who they are in comparison basically to their siblings point of view and that's really important and of course you know you can't really learn how to manage conflict if you're not ever having conflicts so siblings turn out to be this really safe person uh, to try out these things and to learn some conflict management skills and that can really serve kids well outside the family with peers, uh, with friends, and maybe even later in life. 
So as parents, as we're watching all this play out, does the age difference, number of siblings, gender, does that play into how we kind of resolve some of these conflicts? A little bit. You know, so we know a little bit that um, when kids are older, um, when there's fewer kids in a family, when you have a sister, <laughs> somehow magically sibling relationships tend to work a little bit better. Well, what do you but know? Really <laughs> yeah, how about that? Um, but these are very, these are generalizations. And, you know, I like to remind parents that we have very limited choices when it comes to our children's ages and gender. We can't pick these things out. We can't, you know, maybe we have some leeway when it comes to the spacing of our children, but in reality, many people don't. These things just happen. But we, what we do have every day are countless opportunities to help our kids find ways to get along with one another. And so I always feel like it's the skills and competencies that kids are developing that really make the most difference in terms of helping kids find ways to develop a, a satisfying relationship with one another. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But first, a huge shout out to our sponsor, Hood Sour Cream. Hood Sour Cream is made with real hood milk and cream. So I know I'm giving my family the good stuff. I love to have it on hand to whip up a quick dip when I'm in a pinch. So Lori, as we look at all of this sibling conflict, I have to wonder how much of this is our fault as the parents? <laughs> How much are we responsible for the fights that are going on amongst the kids? I don't feel that it's parents' fault necessarily. Oh. <laughs> I, I think blaming, blaming parents for this is, is not, you know, not going to be all that helpful or productive for, for kids. Um, but I do think that parents who have a little bit of time and bandwidth to really take a breath to think about their children's relationship, to think about their goals for their kids' relationship. I think that can be incredibly helpful because then they can figure out ways to try to make all that happen. We do a lot of automatic parenting when it comes mm. to sibs. We do things that we saw our parents do perhaps. And I think that, you know, if you took a half an hour just to write to yourself, you know, really, what do you want your kid's relationship to look like? Then you could start setting up opportunities for kids to have um, ways to, to do those things or to be together in more in different and more positive ways. Yeah, you know, there's kind of a couple of different schools of thought with this. I know that there's a lot of parenting uh, sources that kind of say, treat all your kids equally. Mm -hmm. And then there's another school of thought that says, well, no, they're all individual. They're different ages. They have different needs. Uh, where do you sit on that? Definitely in the latter camp <laughs> that it is, um, you know, it's impossible to really treat your kids the same all the time. Um, you know, you'd be that mom figuring out how many, you know, how many M&Ms are going for one child and making sure the other gets the same. That That's very time consuming. I don't know that anybody really benefits from that. But if you think about who your kids are and what they need, 
um, and act accordingly, that tends to be more productive for everyone. And that's what teens in particular tell us that they want. They don't, you know, if they're 15, they don't want the same bedtime as their nine-year-old brother, right? It's the same, it's equal, but boy, that doesn't feel fair <laughs> at all. Um, rather, they really want to be understood and respected for their age, their maturity, and all those unique characters and needs, characteristics and needs um, that they present so that parents can treat them accordingly. This is a real struggle in our house. So my daughter is seven and my son is only three. So mm. I do a lot for him and it happens almost every day at school pickup. I help him with his backpack. I help him with his lunchbox to bring it in the house because he just can't handle it. And right. my daughter says, you always take Benny's lunchbox and you help him with everything. And I'm stuck here doing it all by myself. And then right. I have to have that conversation of, but you're a girl who gets to do all these things that he can't do. You get to jump off the diving board and stay up late and read Harry Potter. <laughs> I try to give her the pros to being older and being more independent, but in the moment, I don't know, not working so well. So can you give me a real life solution for something as specific as that is, it doesn't seem fair what mom's doing. Right. It doesn't feel fair. And it's so interesting that kids will always be looking at the reason behind mom or dad's behavior when it comes to how they're being treated or a sibling. They are, you know, constantly watching and keeping track of, of all of this. And it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but what we found from our research is that when kids feel that the reason that their parents is, you know, treating one kid better in some respect, maybe spending some more time with that child or doing more things for them, um, listening to them more carefully. If they feel that that's happening because the parent is trying to meet a unique need that their sibling has, they get it and it's and it's all fine. So I, I you know, I really gravitate to this idea that fairness is really important when kids don't feel that things are fair, that has a negative implication for how they feel about themselves, how they feel about their sibling, and even how they feel about their parents. So let's move to kind of the middle school, high school years and that dreaded sibling comparison. It happens to so many of us. Oh, I had your sister in school. I had your brother. Oh, they were this. Oh, they were that. I can't imagine that that's very productive. Um, how can parents help kids work through that? Because it is kind of inevitable, unfortunately. It is inevitable and people are so guilty. And we see this in teachers, but we also see this sometimes in grandparents and aunts and uncles. It happens, it's very pervasive. And I think it's really helpful if we could help kids, teenagers have some words that they can use in those situations, maybe to try to preempt some of those conversations as well, to make it really clear that they're a different person, um, that they love their brother, they love their sister, um, but you know, they're, they're unique and they can't wait to get to know them and have this new relationship with them. So like for a teacher, you know, they could say, you know, my, my sister really enjoyed having you as a teacher. And that made me really excited about being in your class too. Um, and I can't wait for you to get to know me 
because, um, you know, I'm kind of like my sister in some ways, but I'm, I'm not like her in a lot of ways, and, and this will be really nice. No, that's kind of complicated for a kid to say, and you have to be kind of brave to do it, but I think there's ways that kids could take little snippets of, of those ideas and find ways to subtly communicate, hey, I want a new relationship with you. I'm yeah. a different person. But I think even just acknowledging that as a parent, that that could happen and having those yeah. conversations at home is yeah. already a step in the right direction. I think that that will help kids in a huge way. So yeah. as parents, we want independent children that have a strong sense of self, so important. What would you say are the do's and don'ts to support that? Yeah, I think when it comes to sibling relationships in particular, you really want to help each child feel valued for who they are. You want to help identify their strengths and characteristics and help them see how who they are is really great. Um, and in some ways, they may be a little bit like their sibling, but in a lot of ways, they're going to be different or they're going to take things um, to a whole different a whole different level um, competition between siblings. You know, we're even seeing it now with the Olympics, how, um, you know, people are saying, I got so much better at what I want to do because I was able to compete um, with my sister, or my brother. Um, really, really cool. And I think there's ways that parents can really help encourage those healthy forms of, of competition um, while helping kids develop their own sense of who they are and trying to refrain from a lot of that comp comparison that you were talking about. We're gonna take a quick break, but first, a huge shout out to our sponsors, Hood Sour Cream. Hood Sour Cream is made from high quality hood milk and cream, so I know I'm giving my family the good stuff. And I love using Hood Sour Cream in my jalapeno grilled poppers, and I am always the head of the summer barbecue with these guys. So Lori, we've covered kids, little kids when it comes to sibling conflict, then we got into the teens and tweens. What about adult relationships? You know, as we look back at our siblings and where we are now, is there anything we can do at this point as adults to kind of check in, do a little pulse check, make sure everything's okay, make sure you didn't screw up anything when you were a kid? <laughs> That's a great question. I would say that it's never too late to have those kinds of conversations. I mean, as adults, it's so cool to know that your brothers and sisters shared the same sort of experiences that you did. And it's that level of connection and understanding that I think is so cool um, that adults, if you can have some reminiscing of those positive moments that happened earlier in life, I really think that can help even further strengthen a positive sibling relationship and maybe also help those who may have not, you know, may not be so close at this point in time. Yeah, there's going to be things from the past that people want to dredge up, um, unhappy moments, you know, resentments, difficulties that happen. And I think it's never too late to talk about those from the adult side of people because really what you're carrying around are the hurts that you may have experienced when you were much younger and you didn't really have a way to really understand um, what, the, what that was all about or really understand the perspective of your siblings at those moments in time. So I think it can be really, really helpful to do that. You're gonna need each other as you get older, not only for your own well-being, 
Um, but if you've got parents who are getting elderly, we know that there's a lot of conflict and resentment as people are trying to figure out with their siblings how to take care of mom or dad or, or anyone else in the family. So walking into those situations um, with a good relationship, feeling like you can trust and respect your siblings, boy, that's going to really help. I'm putting in my notes right now after the show, call my little brother, Dominic. <laughs> He's Absolutely. almost 12 years younger than me. So we have a very interesting sibling relationship because I was like almost a little mom to him yeah. as he was growing up. But um, yeah, I love this. This has been so interesting. You've done so much research on this, spent so much time on this. In fact, you founded the More Fun with Sisters and Brothers program. And I wanna tell everyone about that before we go. Yeah, I am so excited. For years, we've been doing research um, to try to figure out how we can help kids get, get along better, how to manage conflict, how to have closer and warmer relationships. And so this work has evolved so that we now have an online program for parents, which is part of a research study. But if there's any parents who have at least two children between the ages of four and eight who would like to be part of this study, please check out funwithsistersandbrothers.org. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me.